Hey there, welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. I am Benjamin Dark, and with me is Marco Ash. Ash? Okay. I don't know, going with it. Feeling like a Benjamin Dark today. Whoa. For the funeral, you know. Yeah, of course, of course. Wearing all black. Today we're talking about S2E5, The Devil You Know. <laughs> this is, um, I wouldn't call it a reboot necessarily, but this is like, you know, the main storyline of the first season has somewhat been wrapped up, the whole mm. Ian thing. <laughs> and uh, so now they're kind of like refocusing on, on new mysteries and whatnot to solve. Because, you know, the show continues. <laughs> yeah. Ian may be dead. He may be worm food. But the show goes on. So we open, and all the girls are looking at the supposed suicide note that Ian left on Emily's iPad. So um, suicide note slash confession. Slash confession, yeah. Uh, just want to point out, Arya is like, how'd you get this? Like, Arya is very weird about this suicide note through the whole episode. I don't know if you picked up on that. But, yeah, but at every point during the episode. At every point, yeah. She's like, how'd you get this? And Hannah's just like... I took a picture of it before the cops got there because, you know, go me for like for once these girls did something a little proactive and yeah. instead of uh, letting potential evidence get away from them, Hannah took a picture of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, in this episode, Emily is particularly like obsessed. Well, uh, that's not fair. I, she's I, obsessed, but she's kind of, it's kind of fed into. I can explain that. And we'll get to that further in the episode. But I think the, the theme with Emily here is that uh, her... Emily's doppelganger, the real one, Spencer, is trying to kind of bury this side of herself, and so it comes out right. in Emily instead. Emily's yeah. the one who still wants to investigate because Spencer's trying not to. Um, yeah, so everyone, girls, everyone's yeah. willing to buy Ian's death here, except for Emily. Emily's just like, mm, something ain't right. Well, yeah, seemingly the collective feeling of the town is like relief. Mm-hmm. You know, Emily's the one who doesn't feel relieved yet. But yeah, the girls are all glad to no longer be persons of interest. Mm-hmm. And then Officer Garrett Reynolds shows up. I notice that we all call him Officer Garrett Reynolds. I'm glad that we do. Yeah. I don't know how else to refer to him. He Does shows he- up and is just like, by the way, that body was decayed. He'd been dead for a week. Later. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so Aria at one point... Melissa? Mentions that she feels good because she thinks this proves to everyone in the town that they've been telling the truth the whole time. Which... Arya's most concerned about her reputation as a liar. Yeah. Which, yes and no. Arya's not really saying as much as Spencer, but, like, their claim was that Ian was dead at the church. Mm-hmm. But seemingly, roughly around that point, the the story that people are buying is that Ian then went to this this barn or whatever and then shot himself like he got away presumably the story you would tell yourself was that ian got away but realized it was it was over you know he was a suspect he's wanted man now and he just killed himself of course who was texting melissa that whole time they presume it must have been a uh, and that's the other thing is that a is still around ian is gone but a is still with us a is always there for you spencer could give a shit she says the guy was scum and now he's dead scum yeah. That is how she feels about the situation. She wasn't. She's not as afraid as, uh, as afraid of A as she was of Ian. And you, to be fair, Ian was like you know literally living in her house. She saw him every morning in the kitchen. He made her sandwiches. You get the feeling that 
the cops could show up with some sort of surveillance video of somebody else definitively killing a proof once and for all that Ian had nothing to do with uh, Allison's death. And Spencer would still be like, don't care. Fuck him. Glad he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, he really, he tormented her and, you know, ruined ruined her domestic uh, situation there. He came so, to the House of Hastings, yeah. Yeah. That, that's what happens when you play the Game of Thrones with the House of Hastings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think if Spencer was to deliver a eulogy here, it would be that a Lannister always pays his debts. Mm-hmm. And then Hannah has a line about how she wants to enjoy her life before A finds another way to ruin it. And then cut to Arya with kind of a, a weird, like, sour milk expression on her face. I thought it was an interesting cut. Arya, there's just so much Arya stuff. But Arya's there's a very suspicious. In this yeah, there's a recurring theme throughout this episode. Mind you, this is like, what, episode six? Two, of five. Episode five of season two. And it's like, these girls have lived. Like, there's been some city miles from these girls. Like, they're really afraid that they're going to be spending years dealing with A. That's like mm. the recurring theme. Is that they've lost way too much time. Even though... It's not even like it's three months. It's three months. (laughs) But Spencer is basically like, I'm just glad Ian's dead. I will deal with A later. Yeah. So they all they all take off. And then of course A texts Emily and A says, Hey Em, just be does that suicide note look familiar? But it also occurs as Emily is staring at the I love that the today's newspaper. Is yeah. already in the trash. Like several copies are in the trash at the school. At the school, because all the kids at school had that newspaper, yeah. And threw it away. <laughs> <laughs> and like maybe it was like covering like fish they had bought or something. But yeah, there's a picture of Allison on the cover of the headline Murder Solved. It's like everyone's it's, just ecstatic to have It's over. that same picture of Allison where she's giving that smile that's not exactly friendly. Mm-hmm. It's a great picture just it's it's an unlikable picture, which is why it works so well. Yeah, yeah. You look at it and you don't think that poor girl who died. You just think, oh, her. Oh, that bitch again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so let's talk about Arya. When we first find Arya, she's sitting on Ezra's desk in his office at Hollis, talking about her existential crisis and dealing with all this. I want to point out she's you know sitting on Ezra's desk, mm-hmm. and she's using Ian's death to talk about her own out of body experience and how mm-hmm. freaky it was for her. Mm-hmm. And of course, Jackie Molina happens to walk by, looks in, and, and sees the situation. Which you, you know, if Byron were to walk by, there would be pro- there would be trouble. You know, well because. First of all, she's sitting on Ezra's desk, like... Kind of has her, his hands on her thighs. He's got his hand on her thighs, and she's, like, rubbing his arm. She's wearing a very tight dress, like, a very short skirt, and... Is it me, or is that zipper? Like, massive. Oh, yeah. She, the, the It's one of those... Like, it's a whole dress skirt. It's like a dress, I, I guess. Um, But the, yeah. the whole dress unzips down the front via a massive zipper. Massive. Yeah. Like, cartoonish. Yeah. Because it's Aria-esque yeah. zipper. Mm-hmm. It just needed some feathers on it. But yeah, Jackie Melino, she kind of, well, the doors, first of all, the door is like a crack open or whatever. So she kind of comes in and she gets to silently watch these two together before she like fake, you know, knocks and then lets herself in. 
and they they go back to normal. They very guiltily like jump away from the desk and stand up. You know, I find uh, out that Ezra's college nickname was Z. Well, Ezra he introduces Arya as a former student, and Arya kind of has a chance here to at least not like cover for herself but instead she says oh i was just on my way to see my dad when i ran into mr fitz yeah and so it's kind of like it's funny because after jackie leaves Arya like tries to get up in ezra's business about like well you really uh I- i'm just your former student huh and he's like you didn't have to say that i was mr fitz and you were just here to see your dad <laughs> well Arya's line her direct line is the whole point of you working here was so that you wouldn't have to refer to me as your former student like she's yeah. taking complete ownership of his occupation. Mm-hmm. The whole point of him working here was that their relationship could go to a, a level which she wants, even though she's still sixteen. Mm-hmm. Well, the best part of the scene is uh, is Jackie Molina's leaving, and she's she says something kind of not bitchy, but like obviously she knows what's up with Arya and Ezra, and so she says, you know, like oh, it's good to see you, and Arya goes, "Hey, you too," with like the bitchiest sneer ever on her face. Yeah. Yeah, it's not even this, hiding it. This is practiced bitchiness too. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Arya wants to be introduced from now on as a friend. A friend. Yeah, we find out Ezra used to go by Z. Just file that away because Arya's A. Uh, Arya used to go by Pookie Bear. Yeah, when she was uh, two to seven years old. I just, I just love that, like nothing has changed about their relationship. It's not like now that he's a college professor that it's okay for him to sleep with a high school student. It's not well, like these, she's a college student. These two are so stupid. Like, yes. Ezra works in the same department as Byron. Like, yes. Byron seemingly works, like, down the hall. Shut and lock the door, folks. Yeah, what, what exactly are you thinking? It would be really hard to explain that one away if Byron happened to walk in. If you're going to, like, sit on the desk, too, in front of Ezra, where... Just when she crosses her legs alone, let alone... <laughs> That's Byron's like, Byron would just be like, don't, don't you play innocent with me. I, I invented this. Okay. I know all about seducing your students in your office. Mm-hmm. You're not putting one over on me. I know exactly what's going on here. So, a uh, brief interlude later where that, that burglar who's been breaking into people's houses, seemingly about to break into another house, but then Jason De Laurentiis stops him because it's Jason's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we find out in the next scene that it was Mike, Arya's Mike. little brother. Arya is, is displeased. Mike is quite the little bitch about it. He's just like, fuck y'all, I'll do what I want. I'm in ten gangs, I only commit hate crimes. Yeah, <laughs> quite the petulant little bitch about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the next day... Well, I just want to point out... Um, <laughs> Jason, uh, he, he, he's brought Mike back and let Arya know about the situation. Arya's unhappy. They have this conversation, Jason and Arya, where he basically just stares at her the entire time as she just continues yeah. to talk and fill airtime. Yeah. And eventually, Jason says that he can sympathize with Mike because of all those months and years that he was high. And he says, I've seen an, and she's like, well, why didn't you call the cops? And he says, I've seen enough cops at my house for one year. And when I saw that, I got suspicious, and I think Arya got a little suspicious as well. Because it's like, huh, why don't you want the cops at your house? That was a weird yeah. way to respond. He he could have said, you know, I didn't want to make it a big deal for your brother. Instead, he said, I've seen enough cops at my house for one year. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, but it's funny. I think she also, with that, I think she picks up on that, but I think she also feels this weird sense of gratitude. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it's weird to reconcile because it's like they've completely retconned out yeah. season one Jason. Yeah, really. Well, it was this, like all about taking the cops to task about things. This scene makes the most sense if you assume that Arya's A. Mm. But also, um, in the last few episodes especially, like, Jason, like, new Jason number two seemingly has some kind of developmental disorder. <laughs> he or, like, stares really blankly fried. a lot. Yeah. 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 For a guy who's clearly hit the gym, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, he's been working on his body. He seems dumb. Well, I think you've probably experienced this. I have. Uh, you ever run into, like, a, it, these, these days, it'd be, like, a 56-year-old hippie um, who's, like, obviously did a shitload of acid back yeah. in the 70s? They're weird fucking people to be around. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Jason has a little bit of that vibe going on. Not as not as like weird and creepy as uh, the kind of people I've run into, but he he just kind of zones out and stares a lot. Well, and I think they're like they're talking about like you know Jason was high for years, mm-hmm. which is fine and all. But what we're thinking like okay, he's like typical teenager drugs. Like they need to have a, like a, a like a voiceover line or something ADR where like Jason clarifies that he was doing hard stuff. <laughs> Just nothing but ecstasy and uh exactly let's just drop an acid special k yeah 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 exactly like spend his time like listening to rave music and, like licking doors so uh, my next i just a quick note on aria we'll discuss it more in emily's scene but emily reveals to them some suspicions about a Ian's suicide note and i just want to point out that aria's reaction to this is how did you figure this out like mm-hmm. she's she's acting very squirrely anytime that note comes up yeah which would make sense if she were A. Uh, so later she uh, confronts Mike, interrogates Mike. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it turns out Mike is the one who broke into Emily's house as well, and also Spencer's when he knocked Arya down. And she's just like, "Oh, by the way, thanks for that, Dick." Yeah. Apparently, Mike's been committing quite a quite a few B and E's. And Arya says, "Couldn't you just have broken into some stranger's house? Because you know that makes sense." Yeah, like, yeah. Did you have to break into my friend's house? I and mean, come on, Mike. And Mike's just like, I have. <laughs> and Arya's like, Oh, well, hmm. She has no problems with that. Like, she's that. She doesn't question that or anything. Yeah. She's like, We don't care about other people, Mike. We just don't fuck with my own friends. That I thought um, we had that arrangement. Do you have any notes at all about Arya's shirt in this scene? I do not know. Do you? I don't know how to describe this shirt. Hmm. It's um hideous are you talking about the it's like green and black stripes yeah. like thin green with like really big shoulders very thin stripes and like puffy shoulders yeah 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 not a good look um but so this this scene essentially ends with mike is like well you can't tell mom and dad about this or they're just gonna start fighting again so semi blackmailing Arya not to tell on uh, him for breaking into people's houses but he did this last time to her and it worked mm-hmm so it's like he knows that he, he he can do this again. He can put it right back in his back pocket. Yeah, he's learning. Yeah. And I think Arya is just going to fold her arms over her chest and like sigh and huff and puff and accept it for now. So let's see. Do we want to... There's like a funeral interlude here. How do you want to address that? Let's just talk about Hannah. All right. Let's, let's go to Hannah. We may come back to Arya later. This episode, it's a very... Eh, it's the layout is slightly different. Um, so, you know, we're doing our usual thing and then 
we're changing a little bit as we go along the way. But yeah, Hannah, at the start of the episode, because uh, every episode after the credits starts in Hannah's kitchen, mm-hmm. Caleb is over and Hannah doesn't have any ice or food to offer him. Um, Caleb's... Also, that's our good. I was say the the first few scenes of all the characters in this, they do something very interesting where wherever they are, whether it be like Spencer's living room or mm. Hannah's kitchen or Ezra's office, um, all the characters are really like bathed in shadows or, you know, like, like dwelling in shadows. There's a lot more natural light feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Just for these, just for the first introductory scenes, all the characters. And it just looks very interesting for just the different sets. Like it makes me feel like, there's much more of a neon, you know, overhead light thing going on in Hannah's kitchen, usually. Mm-hmm. Oh, a lot yeah. of natural light coming in. But yeah, it's funny. When first watching the scene, I just wrote down Caleb's checking in on Hannah. And then she kind of realizes this after, you know, saying that she doesn't have any food for him. She's like, what are you doing over here checking in on me? Yeah. And Caleb's just like, trust me, it'll all make sense by the end of the episode. <laughs> but yeah, she's she's quickly fallen back into her usual pattern from when he was living with her. Mm-hmm. She wants to serve him food, take care of him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And Caleb's just like, exactly. <laughs> I'm not a fucking idiot. I know how this works. Uh, yeah. She 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 does ask Caleb if he's ever seen one a dead body. And Caleb says that he has. That's it. That's all he says. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah, leaves like, it yeah. at that. Are we supposed to infer some suspicion from that? I don't know. Yeah. And then Ashley comes home. Ashley comes home. She's pretty freaked out that Hannah hasn't been answering her texts. And she kind of pulls Hannah off to the side while Caleb's just kind of hanging out in the kitchen. And she has a, a great line where she says, every time you walk out that door, I memorize the color of your top. You know, like what kind of jeans you're wearing, just in case. You know, like I, Ashley, in the back of her mind, there's this idea that there's like a predator in town, essentially. Well, she's basically saying that. In case she has to like tell the cops, yeah, what Hannah was wearing. In case yeah. Hannah goes missing, but yeah. she comes home. Yeah, she's a little freaked out because Hannah's phone is off, or she <clears throat> she can't leave a message for Hannah. She's been leaving messages, and Hannah's just like, well, "My phone was off, and I was charging it." And I just the love Ashley's line reading of, "I need to be able to reach you always." Mm-hmm. So in the background, as they're having this mother daughter moment, Caleb just kind of bails. Later on, when Hannah meets up with them again at school, she apologizes for him getting caught in a full-on chick flick. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, Caleb's like, oh, that's cool. I wish I had a mom, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, Caleb mentions that he still shows up to visit of his social worker at the foster home. And that's basically the deal that he has with the foster mother is that she still collects checks. He still acts like he lives there. And that's how he gets to live with Lucas. Mm-hmm. Hannah's not happy. And later on, she kind of is in the hallway and spies Caleb with his foster mom. And they're seemingly leaving a, a meeting with, like, the principal or somebody. And the foster mom's bitching at Caleb because he, he forgot to tell her about some form she needed to fill out for school or something like that. Yeah. And Caleb kind of, like, rubs it in his foster mom's face that she doesn't know anything about him. He says he likes kung fu flicks, favorite color is blue, and he once went four days without a meal. Yeah. <laughs> it really sticks to her, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so then later it's been decided that Ian's going to have a funeral. So a really great scene where <laughs> Hannah wants Ashley's opinion on the outfit that she's going to wear to the funeral. Well, the, so she comes downstairs. The way this scene starts, the way it's framed is a close up Ashley in the foreground drinking a big old glass of wine. But of course, mm-hmm. 
And then he Hannah, Hannah comes downstairs in this incredibly like sexy red dress. Like it's like just dress. like knockout, like busty, short red cocktail dress. Um, it's a it's a hot hot look there, and it's not something you wear to your funeral. <laughs> and Ashley's like, no. It's kind of funny too when you think about it. Hannah's a sixteen year old girl who owns this dress. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Ashley doesn't say no to the dress, just not wearing it to the funeral. Yeah, like yeah. where would it be okay for her to wear that dress, Ashley? Yeah. Um, Hannah says, Ashley, "So what? I can't dance on his grave. Can I at least throw confetti?" <laughs> oh, Hannah's awesome. Yeah. Then they kind of get to a little talk about it, uh, Ashley and her own father. That her dad was apparently. We don't know what the issue was there, but they didn't get we, along. We find out that Ashley never went to her dad's funeral, even though she paid for it. Yeah. And that it costs a lot of money. She had to spread it out at real several credit cards. Well, that's how she knows that there was a funeral. Yeah. Because it was kind expensive. of explains Ashley's like poor dealings with money. Yeah. <laughs> well, and just the, this is the thing uh, back in season one, I believe, the, where Ashley could relate to Caleb because they both had, yeah, Ashley says that she left, she left home when she was 17 as soon as she had the money for it. And it's, yeah. it's, to me, it's implied that Ashley was probably being abused by her father. That, that's right. what I get out of this. So l- later on, Hannah runs into Caleb's foster mom at school. Yeah. And I'm not sure why Ashley's there, but for some reason, Ashley is inside talking to the principal. And so, Ka- and so Hannah blackmails Caleb's foster mom by saying that her mom works for the law firm Dolce Gabbana and Leibowitz. <laughs> and that she'll sue them if uh, the foster mom doesn't start k- giving Caleb all the money from his social services checks. If we're going to talk about this scene, I, I know we're flashing forward a little bit. I'm just going to say that this is after the funeral. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is back at school. And Hannah is wearing her, her black dress from the funeral. And she looks amazing. Like, she exactly looks, I'd say she even looks hotter in that dress than she did in the red dress. I don't know. I might argue with that. That red one. I mean, that red one, like, it's almost like you would never wear that unless. Unless you're like pulling off like a con or something, like it's too attractive, you know. Well, that's that's the kind of dress that you would wear on a date, <clears throat> not to just signify to the person you're dating that we're gonna have sex tonight, but to let everyone everywhere. Yeah. No. It's like it's the like dress you, you uh. You couldn't afford the billboard, so you wore the dress. It's like you're going to rob a bank, and so you, you know, your girlfriend who's working with you, you, she wears that to go distract someone. Yeah, her car breaks down, and everyone mm-hmm. goes to help her. Yeah, yeah. But I, I would argue that the Hannah and her little black dress look fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the fact that I love that Hannah just came back to school to get something out of her locker wearing that dress. But yeah, Ashley's there. You don't really know what Ashley's doing, but Hannah pulls off this great con where she refers over to Ashley and Ashley just kind of like sees her and nods. Well, she does a, she does a thing where she raises the hand. She doesn't exactly wave with her arms so much as kind of like, twiddle her fingers in a wave you know that kind of wave or it's just mm-hmm. like yes you know like and that that's it, communicated as like that's some badass lawyer who's going to crush you yeah it, well and speaking of the reference you just made i believe they did the exact same thing in the opening of out of sight doesn't george Clooney like refer to some guy like wave at yeah. some guy mm-hmm. over the other end of the bank and the guy waves back and it's acknowledged that this is my partner yeah dolce and gavana and leibowitz mm-hmm so later on, Caleb brings some food over to thank Hannah. Hannah is pretending like to, she's playing it cool. She didn't tell Caleb about the whole foster mom uh, blackmail, but Caleb 
not being an idiot, obviously knows that Dolce Gabbana and Leibovitz is not a real law firm. Yeah. Yeah. They have a... They're doing all the right... Like, they always hit the right relationship beats. They always hit the, the nice romantic comedy stuff with, with Caleb and uh, Hannah. I just want to point out, Caleb, he's whining here because he has to go home and watch The Goonies with Lucas. I just want to say, you, you shut the hell up, Caleb. Goonies is an awesome movie. Hannah doesn't seem to think it's such a bad thing. I, I can only sense it because Caleb had a terrible upbringing. He never got to watch it as a kid. And it is one of those movies where you've never seen The Goonies and you watch it as an adult. You won't feel it because you're obviously like a broken, you know, person because you never got to watch it as a kid. You don't have a soul inside. Um, exactly. I guess I guess if you watch it as an adult, it wouldn't be as entertaining. Do you think that uh, Lucas wears a Superman shirt while watching the movie? Or does he wear the shirt of the guy wearing the Superman shirt? He probably wears the shirt with sloth on it, yeah. There you go. I was just waiting for you to do that. Thank you. Yes, you were. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Like, would Caleb- you make the argument that, that Hannah and, and Caleb are like the real relationship that you could root for on this show out of all of the characters so far? Well, Caleb is probably the only male character introduced so far who is he's he's not like stunted in some way i guess is right. what i would say he, he he's he's the most fully developed as a character i mean toby's just so fucking weird and stupid um uh, but caleb, caleb is like moves beyond like, hey, his this, own limitations this guy's uh he's actually like fairly uh resourceful in his own right you know yeah well and despite his own limitations like so many of the characters where their damage on their sleeve and allow it to hold them back. Well, I think part of it is because of Caleb's upbringing and who he is, he's used to being the guy who's like, he tends to probably try to smooth things over. He's not going to be too pushy about anything. Right. Um, as opposed to the other guys who are all creepy. He's also not an idiot. Yeah. Like so much. So, especially when you're, when you're doing a podcast and watching the show and taking notes, you realize that everyone on this show is such a god-awful liar. <laughs> Caleb's like the one person who's just like, yeah, I don't know if it's like, a, I, don't, I wouldn't say like audience proxy, but he's just like, that's a terrible lie. <laughs> well, he he would be the one to notice because I'm sure he's had to do a lot of lying in his own you know, yeah. upbringing. Yeah. And he's the only one kind of not in the same like social status as the rest of them. Right. So it puts him in a much better position to observe them mm-hmm. more honestly. So he, he gives her a little kiss on the forehead and thanks her for shaking down his foster mom. And then he's about to leave and then she grabs him and they make out some. And I'm sure Caleb in his head is just thinking to himself, seven episodes. That's pretty good work. That's how long it took for them to get back together. Yep. Well done, Caleb. And Caleb's like, this took seven episodes, but it was over after two. It's all just a formality. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Emily. Emily. The role of Emily this week will be played by Spencer Hastings. <laughs> um, so at the start, Emily goes to pick up a package from Speed Demon Express. It's like a local shipping place that's not FedEx. All right. It's, the package is meant for her mom, but her mom's not around, so she wants to pick it up herself. Um, Emily never seems to, she never seems to think it's weird that her mom got a package of a, it's it's essentially the layout of a funeral plot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That doesn't occur to her until later in the episode. Yeah. Um, she thinks she recognizes the guy who's working there, 
who immediately gets weird as shit and runs off. Yeah. Yeah, he's just like, uh, no, we've never met before. I gotta go. And, like, runs yeah, away. I mean, if he could have, if he could have, like, jumped through a window, he would have. Mm-hmm. Maybe put, like, a fake mustache first. Um, as she's leaving, doing some classic A-plus Spencer Hastings detective work, she passes by, like, the employee photos on the wall and sees that the guy is Logan Reed, who she remembers... Month. Yeah, who she remembers as being the one who delivered the package in the season one finale. He was like uh, the bag Ian. man who brought Ian's money. Right. Or seemingly brought Ian's money. Boom, 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 boom. Sorry, I had to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so she's got that gun. So then later, Emily is sitting in her room reading The Heart is a Lonely Hunter by Carson McCullers. <laughs> and nice as pull. The, yeah, as the alt rock starts playing on the soundtrack, she has a revelation about the handwriting on the note. And so she goes and starts doing her own research, looking at the note, starts printing out all the old A text. Uh, good job by Emily of saving all those texts. That's like, that's Spencer level work right there. Yeah. So she eventually pieces it together by like cutting out pieces of the, all the A text and putting them together. And she presents to the others, Ian didn't kill himself. Here, check out this suicide note. It's actually not a suicide note. It's just a composition of a bunch of different A texts put together. So obviously, A is the one who created this note, which to me seems even weirder in a way. Well, it's like, did A kill Ian? Was A just taking advantage of a situation? Was but I Ian, mean, like, was Ian ever like, did did Ian actually die at the bell tower and A just moved the body? Yeah, it presents a lot more mysteries than answers because I, I forensically, <coughs> maybe if you move the body like really quickly, you could still make it look like you didn't die from strangulation. But uh, I don't know. I think they'd be able to tell. Like it yeah. had to be really quick, and that, well, that would have been like at least like an hour probably to move that body. But I mean, okay, it would. It, the question would be, even if you were to fudge the time like organically, mm-hmm. you know. He still has a broken neck that probably didn't come from the gunshot. It doesn't need to be a broken neck. He could have just been like strangled. Eh, but I mean, I like know. a crush. I like you know, to what Im- type or whatever. I like to imagine a like moving the body, putting the gun in his hand, and like blowing his brains out. Which is not technically murder because yeah. if he's already dead, yeah. Um. So spoiler: eventually, the, the you know Emma's gonna be presenting all these findings to her, her peeps, and the peeps are gonna give her praise and stuff like that. I want to point out that. A texted Emily at the start of this to tell put the germ her yeah. of all this. Yeah, put the germ of all this into her brain, and so it's like it's not like Emily is like, "Ooh, I, f- I figured out A out." Really, A kind of pushed her along to it. Well, A is just like, "All right, come on, come on." Like Spencer would have figured this out by now. They're trying to use you, Emily. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to me, that that that's the point. I think of A. Writing the suicide note composed of previous A writings. Cause I mean, A could have just simply written the suicide note, you know, could have mm. said anything, but it's like the A wrote it this way specifically with the idea in mind in the future to have them discover that it's well, made it, of a previous, like just to show how like of all these puzzle pieces, they all lead back to A. Well, it ultimately is going to end up making the girls look even worse because they swore forever that Ian was a killer. Ian was found dead with the suicide note. And now the girls are like, but he didn't actually do it. And so now they're like, if they say anything, they're going to look even shadier about the whole situation. Uh, so this, this is their victory moment, too, as Arya pointed yeah. out. They're not persons of interest anymore. They were right all along, except they weren't. 
So Emily wants to investigate Logan Reed. Uh, she goes back, talks to him. He said he was hired online by a woman. They never spoke in person. Uh, he just spoke to her over the phone, not Ian. Um, and, uh, Emily is just like, well, what did she sound like? And, uh, you know, uh, you really get the feeling that Emily wants to say, like, did she sound like she was blind? You know? <laughs> that's, that's what Emily really wants to know. Did she sound super creepy? Did it sound like in the backwards, like, uh, clocks were running backwards? Yeah. But, yeah, like blood was running up the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the guy says basically that, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't know how to describe voices, but he's pretty sure he could recognize if he heard it again. Earlier though, when she, when she does go to the class and, or to school and tells the other liars what's going on with this, um, Spencer, who well, doesn't Let's say that for Spencer. Involved. Okay. Yeah. Cause we're almost, uh, we're almost done with Ian. The only real note here is that Emily, uh, runs into Officer Garrett Reynolds at the funeral. And tells him about this because the liars are not interested. So later on, Garrett, Officer Garrett Reynolds has a scene where he uh, he's talking to Logan Reed, gives him a bag of money, and tells him to get out of town. And then he calls Jenna. He he says Jenna, so you know he's talking to her to say like you know it's done. Yeah. So what's funny is that presumably the whole time they thought they were blackmailing Ian, uh, they weren't. That. And if you go back and watch those episodes now, you'll see where it appears that, that Ian has called Jenna, but that's not actually what happened. That Ian was on a different phone call from the phone call that Jenna was on. Which provides different mysteries. Like, you're getting a kind of answer here, mm-hmm. but you really have to now ask yourself, who the hell was Ian talking to? Was probably, it Melissa? Probably Melissa. Because that's the other thing, too, is that you can sense a future red herring in the future where... The liars are all going to think that the woman on the phone was Jenna, but could have also been Melissa. And all all that business with Logan Reed and the blackmail, that was all an attempt by Garrett and Jenna to get that flash drive back. And it failed. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Spencer? Spencer. The press is uh, hounding the House of Facings right now. Just because that, that's what the press does. They just call you and annoy you. The little uh, single newspaper in town, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it's, it's episode, Melissa looks almost catatonic as she's sitting on the couch. That is exactly what I have written down. Yeah, she's catatonic through most of the episode. Uh, yeah. Bathed in shadows of natural light. Veronica know. lets Spencer know that they're getting harassed by the press. And so the next time the phone rings, Spencer answers it. Bitches whoever's out on the line. But, oh, it's her grandma. Can I, can I just say, listen, you bottom feeding vultures. Stop sucking the light out of my family. Oh, I'm so sorry, grandma. <laughs> Poor Spencer. She doesn't even get to have her moment of yelling at the press. What's so fantastic about it, though, is that she's talking to her mom over by the little island thing in the kitchen, but mm-hmm. before she answers that phone, she looks back at Melissa. Like, if she wants credit, or if she's specifically going to go do this because of what her sister's going through. Well, the, Spencer in this episode is trying very hard to kind of, like, repair the family dynamic here with Melissa. Which is only going to hurt her more in the end. Yeah, of course. So, uh, they talk, they to find Ian's out that we, we get an appearance by, uh, Nathan Drake again. It's, it's another episode where both him and, uh, Spencer's mom are in the same scene. I did not remember them being so many episodes in this show where Spencer's, both of Spencer's parents are in the same room. We're getting it's like a, weird. we're in like a groove these past few episodes where they're actually together. Yeah. Yeah. But we find out that Ian, Ian's like parents are, are dead. He, they tracked down an aunt, but the, that aunt wants nothing to do with Ian's body. And so there won't be a funeral. 
And Spencer's kind of looking back at crazy catatonic Melissa and is like, oh, I think we need to have a funeral. Like we need, we should give him a funeral just for, for Melissa's sake, for the closure, you know, like Melissa needs yeah. this. But we'll regret it if we don't. And that's what Melissa needs. Mm-hmm. Later um, on, Veronica comes into Spencer's room. That was interesting that she says that Ren called to check in on Spencer and Melissa. Yeah. And she's like, it's a good thing I answered the phone and not your dad. Uh, but seemingly Veronica's still cool with Ren. She's just like, yeah. I gotta be honest, it's the accent. I just can't seem mad at that guy. Even though he's like a pederast. Yeah, and then, now they know that he had something with Spencer as well as Melissa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but she makes it, she does kind of make it seem like it's not so much, uh, because Ren's a pederast that, that it's a good thing the dad didn't answer the phone. It's that the dad, still like not the, you know all the various reporters and stuff like that was the impression i got mm-hmm. i got the impression that no one in the family really hates ren as much as they should how could you hate ren with that accent yeah that posse little british accent such a lovable british guy yeah um so spencer of course is you know studying and reading books and stuff and her mom is like well i thought you got you know continuations and all this stuff and spencer's just like well yeah but you know exams are still next week and so, Spencer, or so Veronica finally recognizes that Spencer works hard. At well, she school. says, you work so hard, you always have. And Spencer has, like, the cutest little, like, hidden smile. Because, uh, yeah. you know, this is essentially what all, all Spencer's ever wanted in life, was for yeah. her parents to recognize her like this. Yeah. So uh, the Hastings have made arrangements for Ian's funeral, which are going to be pretty basic. And her mom just takes the moment to kind of... To stop and like apologize for kind, everything to Spencer. Kind of apologize. Yeah, for kind not, of. For not believing Spencer to begin with, for allowing a murder into their house. Uh, and Spencer, it's, it's kind of a bittersweet vindication for Spencer. She finally gets to have that moment with her mom that obviously she's been craving for weeks, if not years. Yeah. A little you bit want of her fucking to validation. Be like, finally, but she doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's enough just to get it, yeah. Yeah. But. There's a, you know, there's a telltale ring that's still missing here. Uh, there's a scene with Spencer late at night shopping online for, uh, like a lookalike to Melissa's wedding ring. It's, it's, this is the loose end that she can't close. Like, she's, she's almost back to, like, happy Spencer equilibrium where she's just the good girl who gets praise from her parents, but she can't quite close it out because of that ring is still missing. They're all so expensive. So she, she Googles basically Budget engagement rates. Yeah. Then she that doesn't that doesn't pay off. So then she Google's knockoff engagement rates. <laughs> and of course, who who would know that Spencer has a, a loop she can't close? A would know, which yeah. is why A texts her and says to tell the truth or that you'll get the ring back when you least expect it. Yeah. Well, but see, I know. Obviously, you're gonna talk about surveillance cameras. Spencer got a, a hug from her mom earlier. And so the first line of Ace text is, would mommy hug a thief? <laughs> and Spencer, because she's so in this point now where she doesn't want to deal with A, she doesn't want to have that thread hanging over her. She just wants it to be over because of Ian. She just kind of has to brush that away. I like to think that A probably knows, all right, to get back in the game right now, we need Spencer on board because she's nuts. Yeah. Like, we need yeah. her committed. So I'm going to camp outside Spencer's house tonight and spy on her. That that's how I figure he operates. But I mean, even if it was a camera, you know, like that should I just think be like point, up in a tree or something, you know. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if A's like just like peeking through the window. There's like a hidden camera in Spencer's room. Spencer's not dealing with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
for all she knows, A is watching her change clothes and she just doesn't care right now. Um, so later, Spencer tries to have a moment with Melissa. To try she tries to, to come to clean her. about the ring. Yeah. She's just about to, but then they're interrupted, and after they're interrupted, Spencer can't go through with it. Well, what I love is that it's kind of different kind of shades of stuff Arya deals with, is that Veronica walks in as Spencer's about to open up to Melissa, uh-huh. and basically tells Spencer to set the table. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, that's basically what she shut down with. It's just like this kind of reminder that she is, you know, a child in the family. Well, and just and it's, it's, it's these chores. Yeah. It's any interruption and like the courage she was trying to build up to talk about it. Right. But I mean, I, I also got a certain sense that like, you know, Spencer considers herself very adult, much like Arya does. And she can get, you know, that, that, that courage can be brushed away with a reminder that you're the child in this family unit. I don't, I don't think so much it's that as much as she was psyching herself up to tell Melissa. And then her concentration was interrupted, and now it's like she she the lost she, she lost the courage. Yeah, yeah the moment's gone. And then we have Ian's funeral. So you want to talk about the rest of the stuff with Spencer later after the funeral? Let's yeah, talk well, about, the, let's talk about the funeral. Well, real quick, the the thing with the um the when Emily comes to the school before way before the funeral talk about the note you know, her revelations about the note mm-hmm. uh, Spencer's big thing there where she starts to have the glimmer of old Spencer is that what this adds up to her is that Ian never confessed in writing mm-hmm. there's nothing to last the ages to say that he killed Allison but she quickly brushes it under the rug because she wants it all to be over she wants to deal with the family and the closure and to move on mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about the funeral. <laughs> the bell's ringing as the girls walk in, and Hannah says, "Who's ringing it this time?" Yeah. <laughs> Which is, is a, a reference to Ian ringing the bell himself with his neck. Well, it's pretty macabre if you think about it. This is the same church where a week earlier a man tried to murder Spencer, mm-hmm. the man who's having a funeral. And in a in an ever escalating uh, series of inappropriate funeral dresses. Hannah has a uh, super short, super cleavagey black dress on, that's showing quite a lot of boob. Yeah, Arya looks pretty hot too. Arya also has a fairly cleavagey uh, dress on. Emily and Spencer are more buttoned up, although Spencer is wearing wearing like a, a black choker. Choke, choker ribbon around her neck. Yeah, Spencer's dress is a little more conservative, at least compared to the other girls. But she has that choker. But it's almost like choker. gothic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a little, it's a little sinister in a way, but yeah, Arya and Hannah, damn, mm-hmm. god damn. So Emily wants to talk about Logan Reed some more, and Spencer, Spencer, right now just can't do it. Uh, she does not want to deal with this a shit. She doesn't want to stay obsessed, and she says she's talking about how maybe therapy Anne was right about them being obsessed with Allison, and she says. Talking about a keeping us suspended in time, years are passing us by, and we're still rereading old suicide notes and hunting down delivery boys for clues. Uh, none of this is going to bring Allie back. Uh, Spencer is, just wants to move on with her life. That is straight up lyrics to a Billy Joel song. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I mean, just throw a piano riff there, and Spencer's killing it. Um, you Catholic girls start much too late. <laughs> Only the good die young. Um, yeah, so Emily asks, you know, don't they owe Allison the truth? And Spencer points out that the truth's not going to bring Allison back. And that she, they need to focus on people who are still here. And she mm-hmm. kind of looks over at Melissa, who, you know, is dressed, you know, for the funeral, but still looks pretty catatonic. 
I think you can make the argument that this episode represents Spencer's last grasp at the uh, the sanity that has abandoned her ever since A came into her life. Yeah, she's trying really hard in this episode to pretend that it's all over, but it's, it's not going to happen. Yeah, some normalcy. Um, so Ezra shows up to the funeral <laughs> for no goddamn reason. Much like the pilot, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he runs into the Montgomerys and he well first really... he sees first he sees Arya and they can like like smile at each other like dorks. Uh, but yeah. then, like, in between him and Arya, suddenly, like, woo, there's Byron and Ella. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, Ezra, why are you here? Exactly. And he, he, there's like, he has, delivers this awkward explanation of, like, well, yeah, I, I, I talked to Arya, and, uh, you know, she thought I would be here and be good for, uh, you know, Spencer and the other students if I were here to support the community. And Arya, like, in the background, her face just falls. She's like, oh, God. Ooh. Yeah. How can how can he not like give me sole credit? Like like it's like what did you think he was gonna say here, Arya? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he flounders and she's not pleased with the result. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's, again, it's been three months. Yeah. Not a whole lot has changed. She's still sixteen. He is still committing a crime. <laughs> just being with her. And did Arya, you really think he was gonna say I came to be with Arya, your daughter Lord, who I'm dating? Did, I mean, did you think that he was coming to the funeral to ask Byron's hand, like, or, like you know, ask for Arya's hand of marriage from Byron or something? Like, yeah. Um, it's just like, look, Byron, I know this isn't the proper place for it, but I'm going to go with it. I've been nailing your dog. Yeah. Byron's like, you're right. That wasn't the proper place. I, I have to applaud you on your uh, brazenness, though. And thankfully, the Hastings family has called the police here. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have them arrest you now. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, the Hastings family wanted the police there, just yeah. in case. Uh, so this is the point where Emily goes to talk off to Garrett and Garrett says that he'll try to find out who the woman on the phone was, which, and he says, he did the right thing telling me. And I just wrote down. Nope. Yeah. Well, because again, the, the girls obviously don't realize this because Garrett's the only officer. Garrett Reynolds is the only face they recognize other than like the cavalcade of a revolving door of police detectives. Well, there's but, uh there's Barry. I like that guy. Yeah, one people, I mean, like, of there's Barry who Barry's like the only, only deals with parents. He's the only honest cop in town. Yeah, true, true. But he seemingly only deals with the parents for the most part. But like, you had like the guy that's like Robert Stack, and you had Wilman and all those folks. But mm-hmm. I mean, like, the girls don't realize that Officer Garrett Garrett Reynolds is pretty low on the totem pole. Yeah, at, he's like a patrolman. Um, police force. Yeah, like I mean. He's lucky he's got the car because he's probably spending most of his time making coffee for other people. Well, I mean, pro tip, liars. If he's wearing a uniform, he's not very high up in the future. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. He's not doing a lot of the investigatory work. Um, so then we get to the graveside part of the funeral. And there, mm-hmm. there's a lot of shots here, but there's a really creepy POV for a moment of the casket being lowered into the ground and like yes. looking at the girls. Yes. Oh, that's, that's, that, that was beautiful. That's, the that's liars like, all throw dirt on Ian's grave. And there's a nice shot where it's kind of panning, but over across each of them as they're trying to wipe their hands off. None of those hands are clean. I like yep. the, the they're all they can't get the dirt off. They're all pretty dirty. And from there, they pan up from Arya's hands to her face as she looks off in the distance and she sees Jason De Laurentiis. Jason's kind of like across the way, just sitting on a bench, staring ahead catatonically as he usually does. He's not. <laughs> He's not in funeral attire. He's like, he's pulling that move, uh, the kind of move I'd probably pull at a funeral. Or it's like, you're not really there for the funeral, but you're kind of watching from afar. This is like something that you only see, you only see this in movies and TV shows where somebody can like watch mm-hmm. the funeral from afar. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, so the funeral ends, and Arya keeps staring over at Jason while she's waiting for her family. Emily shows up, and Emily doesn't think very highly of Jason DeLorentis. She thinks he's a freak and has always been a freak. <laughs> yeah, she's just like, fuck that guy. Uh, I want to point out Emily also calls uh, Ezra Fitz. Yeah. So it's no longer Mr. Fitz, but it still fits. Yeah. Um, Ezra does come up, talk to Arya, and Arya well, gives Let's, let's shit. jump back to Arya now. Okay, yeah. Arya gives him shit. For having this excuse about the students. It reminds him that this was a day when she needed a hug. Not later at his apartment, not at his office, but right now she needed a hug. Well, and she also says, this would be so much easier if I could just blame it all on you. <laughs> and Esther's just like, ha ha! Oh, fuck, what have I gotten myself into? Well, he's kind of like thinking to himself, well, what are you doing? You are blaming it on me. <laughs> So uh, instead of uh, getting that hug from Ezra, because the parents are nearby, she just kind of bitches off, goes over to talk to Jason De Laurentiis, and she again wants to know why Jason is so willing to give Mike a free pass. And he basically he says something about how Allie used to give him a hard time, and he was always in trouble, and Allie was a fearless one when she needed to be. Well, uh, Allie would always threaten to turn him in. Yeah. And then she wouldn't, because she was smarter than that. She knew that she could always hold it over him. Mm-hmm. But Jason doesn't say that, like, oh, no, I get to hold it over your yeah. brother. Because Jason's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, Jason. <laughs> You're not doing a very good job of telling this story. But I do want to point out, Arya remains suspicious here, it seems like. Um, but Jason says that... She's also uh, thankful, though. She's also thankful. Yeah. yeah. Jason says uh, that his, his parents know they lost the wrong kid. And yeah. Arya, after a beat, says, don't say that. <laughs> And then she says, maybe you coming here today was a mistake. Which is an interesting line from Arya. But uh, Jason says that the funeral feels good because it basically tells him that Ian killed Allison. Not so much that like, this is now we have finally have my sister's killer in custody in, in the ground. But it tells Jason that he wasn't the one who killed her. He says he's glad to know it wasn't me. Uh, and we find out that he was blacked out the whole night. And he woke up with a note in his pocket that read, I know what you did. And so seemingly this whole time, he's been operating under the assumption that it's possible he killed his sister and didn't know it, and that somebody knew. Yeah. And he thought he might have killed her in a fit of jealousy, uh, but Ian's confession changes everything, which is a perfect thing to say, because Arya knows that the confession is not real. Even though she's had so, her curiosity about how people... I know... I didn't really look that closely. The note that he shows her, the mm-hmm. I know what you did note, which apparently Jason carries around with him. Is the handwriting similar to... I mean, it's it's block letters. It's hard to say. To me, it looks a little... I don't think it looks like A handwriting. It's not. Okay. It's a little sloppier. Okay. Um, and it's obviously not signed as A. Okay. So we're not... But we're not... So we're not having definitive, you know, confirmation that A has been around as far as that year before. No, no. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think it's an A note. That's just my, my feeling. Um, okay. It looked a little too sloppy. Uh, but basically, now we, we've, it's funny. Ian, or I'm sorry, uh, Jason now thinks he's free of guilt, but now Arya actually knows that he is more suspicious, in fact, because yeah. they, know, they know that Ian's confession wasn't fake, or was fake. And so now this whole bit with Jason and the note, that's even more suspicious. Uh, quick bit with Ella and Byron where. 
they're back at home. Ella like keeps doing laundry because she's freaked out, and she's kind of just starting to process how much she trusted Ian, mm-hmm. and like just how creepy he that was. Is. Uh, he was a coach at the school. Yeah, she'd say hi to him every day, and then, of course Mike shows up to be a little dick, and it's just like, quit doing my laundry. Like, hey Mike, why don't you do your own fucking laundry? Yeah, dirtbag. And Byron proposes. First, he proposes wine, and then like shots, and then absinthe. Yeah, wine scotch or absinthe. Yeah. And then Ella, being playful at the end, is just like, "I'll take a hit of that absinthe now." Mm-hmm. Byron and Ezra are both into absinthe. Yeah. Somebody should point that out to Arya. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things that should be pointed out to Arya. <laughs> so let's uh, let's close off with Spencer here before we get to the closing of the episode. Spencer and Melissa have a little have a little chitty chat. So later on, they run into each other again, and Melissa's finally talking now. She tells Spencer that it's a girl. She apologizes for choosing Ian over Spencer, and she talks about how she lied so much to protect Ian, and she she deserves this because of all the lying she did. Spencer is about to try to confess about the ring again, but then Melissa cuts her off because she has her own secret. that she, She's like, there's something you don't know, Spencer. But before she can say what that something is, Spencer's bags start to ringing because Ian's phone is in it. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, Ian Melissa freaks out. Well, Spencer pulls out the phone, and Melissa's like, that's Ian's phone. What do you have it? And Spencer's like, I don't know how this got here. And Melissa's like, you were the one who was texting me the whole time, like, you fucking psychopath. Spencer is, is denying it, but Sp- then Melissa is, like, furious now. She's like, I don't know what the hell's wrong with you. I'll never forgive you for this. And, like, she is, all caps, I will never forgive you for this. And she throws the phone against the wall, and it breaks. Yeah. So just in case, Spencer, you thought there was possibly a chance of you and your sister ever uh, patching things up, there is not. Now your sister thinks you're a complete nut job. Which makes you kind of wonder, too, beyond the fact that, like, uh, Melissa's dealing with the fact that her husband's potentially injured, potentially on the run, potentially, like, wanted for murder, potentially a murderer of, like, a young teenage girl, maybe an attempted murder of her sister. You kind of wonder, too, was fake Ian, like, sexting with Melissa during that week, too? Hmm. I don't think so. So we come back it's to like, the- hey, babe, I want to run, but uh, cockshot. <laughs> Which would be pretty impressive and disgusting of A, if she had an Ian cockshot to send Melissa. Ah. Um, so we have a quick interlude at Speed Demon Express, where Garrett gives Logan Reed, Officer Garrett Reynolds gives Logan Reed a duffel bag full of cash. Yeah, we talked about this already. Did we? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. We so that. The closing here after those those last scenes of Spencer and Emily is that uh, Emily gets another text from A about uh, like point A, plot A to plot B. Like Emily basically like sometimes the shortest is from plot A to plot B is a long way around. Emily figures out that the the package she got earlier with the the map is actually a map of the funeral plots, mm-hmm. and so she compares it to the uh, like the funeral plot map that's on the back of uh, Ian's funeral like brochure. Is that a brochure? I don't know what you program. call it. Program. program. Even a program sounds like kind of weird for a funeral. Here's a program. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they typically we're gonna have an give, intermission. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they typically would give you a map to where the thing is. I think you'd be able to find. It. I don't know. Presumably, <laughs> Rosewood's cemetery is massive. Then. Yeah. So they they figure out that A is trying to point them towards something in the the uh, graveyard. So they all go there in the middle of the night. Four, the four girls walking around with flashlights. One of them mentions that this is like chapter one in every Stephen King book. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the large volume. Emily thinks A has set them up, and 
now Spencer agrees with her. And so Spencer's back on the wagon. Well, it's an interesting dynamic as Spencer and Emily are both playing off each other as the kind of believers, whereas Arya and Hannah are both the skeptics who don't want to have to deal with this. Uh, but then Emily and Melissa, or I'm sorry, Emily and Spencer are both kind of pointing out what's really going on and how A, A doesn't help them, A plays games. They can All the evidence they got about Ian came from A, so they can assume that none of it's solid. They get to Allie's tombstone, which is where the the map was leading, the plot 44. Mm-hmm. Allison's tombstone, the epitaph is, "'Tis a fearful thing to love what death can touch." Yeah. Which is this the first time we've seen that? I think it is. I think so, yeah. That's yeah. a really fucking weird thing to put on somebody's grave. Yeah, it's very bizarre. Um but then, like, immediately projected onto the nearby mausoleum on the wall of the nearby mausoleum is the the kissing rock video. Yeah, from a hidden projector somewhere, that video is being played up against the, the wall of a mausoleum. The classic I know you want to kiss me video. I know you want to kiss me. Yeah. Uh and we see through uh, the reveal of Ian falling down on the ground, like gripping the dirt, mm-hmm. going limp. But the then the video, the video Just keeps the video going. Continues. Yeah, video keeps going and continues. And then Allie gets back up. Ian gets back up. Seemingly brush themselves off, and a he kiss. gives her a kiss, and he walks away. Yeah. So she wasn't dead after all in that video. So this whole time they've been completely played. We think we can assume that Ian did not kill Allie, had nothing to do with her death. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so then we get what we think is going to be the A tag. It kind of is. <laughs> it kind of is, but it's very fascinating because it's it's like seriously moments later, the girls are walking to the flash or through the cemetery still with their flashlights. Great shot, like almost like a. I want to say it's almost a, a, a dark gothic like a Wes Anderson shot because they're mm-hmm. walking. You know, from left to right across the screen, silhouetted with, you know, part of the cemetery in the background, part of the cemetery in front of Well, and that kind of like nighttime kind of like haze of mist and fog in a graveyard. Right, right. Silhouetting them. Yeah. They're looking for where the projector could have been and they're arguing about some of them think it was on the ground. Some of them think it it had to be mounted in a tree. And what they don't realize is that they've just passed A. A's hiding behind a tree and like sneaks off with the projector. Holding, yeah, holding the projector and it runs off. And Mm -hmm. I just want to say that A. You know, because it's been very confusing with the the whoever was doing the breaking and entering. You know, that person in the black hoodie mm-hmm. it was obviously a man. We now find out it was Mike. Uh, a here looks smaller. A does look kind of small, yeah. Yeah. Um. Although I, so- I I not to like ruin anything. I don't think this is ruin anything. I I've, I've read that the show makers actually had different people wear the A outfit. Just so that it, you, it wasn't, it, it, they didn't want you to accidentally see something and infer that it was a certain person. And right. so they would, they would intentionally have different people wear the A costume for these scenes so that, like, you're not, you're not really supposed to infer, like, who it is based on, like, the look. It's, it's supposed well, to just be anonymous, essentially. Talking about a different show real quick. I, I, I watched The Mentalist. I've been watching <laughs> The Mentalist for years, which is, you know, it's a so-so show. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the primary antagonist, the serial killer Red John throughout the show, they just revealed and they just wrapped up that supposedly. Mm-hmm. They revealed who Red John is after all these years and blah, 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 blah. But over the course of the show, you would hear Red John's voice. And it was this very high pitched voice. 
Um, I found out, I don't know why I never like read this before, but the star of the show, Simon Baker, who plays the mentalist, always did the voice. Mm-hmm. It was never, ever like supposed to be whoever the actor revealed to be the Red yeah. was. It was always Simon Baker doing the voice. I think it's, it's something they do. They don't want to either give the wrong impression or have you accidentally find out well, who it is. It's funny, it's because beforehand. on NipTuck, I think the one time Peanut made you watch NipTuck was mm-hmm. during the whole Carver thing, right? Yeah. They did stuff where, uh, towards the end of that storyline where the Carver always talk in like a, a computer altered voice. They had the actual actor who plays, who was revealed to be the Carver do the voice and they just digitally altered his voice. That makes a little more sense. So what, but so basically they did all these kind of like promotional things, you know, like, uh, call this number and the Carver will leave you a message, whatever. Anyway, some fan or something somewhere had done something where they had done the reverse yeah, digital yeah. altering and got the actor's voice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's repitch shifted it. it. <laughs> yeah. It's smarter to have different people play your killer or whatever. Just so you, well, you're not supposed to guessing about body type. You're not supposed to be able to figure it out by like looking too closely to like notice that like somebody has a freckle in the same spot or something like that. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, that was the episode. We've kind of, we've closed the book on Ian. Uh, but A had the last laugh, of course, because Ian turns out didn't seem to have anything to do with Allie's death after all. I think it's interesting too, but like typically you feel like you might get this kind of episode like in the season premiere. Yeah, yeah. You know, but they kind of, they took some time with the first five episodes of season two to wrap up the big thing of season one as we kind of push little, off. Into it's a little more organic next. than like immediately wrapping it up in like the first episode of season two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, now the liars, they're obviously still going to be interested in, you know, tracking down the real killer, but they're much more compromised now because no one's going to take them seriously as they, they try to do this because they're like, what are you talking about? Ian confessed. He's dead. Yeah, yeah. It closes a lot of doors for them that they need open. And it, it's just going to make them seem more obsessed and weird. It's like, oh, now you don't think Ian did it after all? Like, you you girls are never going to let this drop. You're always going to suspect somebody else, you know? Yeah. Just, and, just and, like Therapy Ann has basically been telling them they're obsessed. Yeah. And they've played into A's clutches the whole time. Mm-hmm. A is playing them like a violin or, beha- or perhaps a piano or a flute. Maybe next week we'll know which instrument is playing them like. Until then, I'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Bye.